A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Two of the disciples of Jesus were on their way to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. <clears throat> and they were talking together <clears throat> about all that had happened. Now, as they talked this over, Jesus himself came up and walked by their side. But something prevented them from recognizing him. He said to them, what matters are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped short, their faces downcast. Then one of them, called Cleopas, answered him, You must be the only one in person staying in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have been happening there these last few days. What things? he asked. All about Jesus of Nazareth, they answered, who proved he was a great prophet by the things he said and did in the sight of God and of the whole people, and how our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and had him crucified. Our own hope had been that he would be the one to set Israel free. And this is not all. Two whole days have gone by since it all happened, and some women from our group have astounded us. They went to the tomb in the early morning and when they did not find the body, they came back to tell us that they had seen the vision of angels who declared he was alive. Some of our friends went to the tomb and found everything exactly as the women had reported, but of him they saw nothing. Then he said to them, you foolish men, so slow to understand. So slow to believe the full message of the prophets. Was it not ordained that the Christ should suffer and so enter into his glory? Then, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets, he explained to them the passages throughout the scriptures that were about himself. When they drew near to the village to which they were going, he made as if to go on, but they pressed him to stay with them. It is nearly evening, they said, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now, while he was with them at table, he took the bread and said the blessing. Then he broke it and handed it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. But he had vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They set out that instant and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven assembled together with their companions, who said to them, yes, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then they told their story of what had happened on the road and how they had recognized him at the breaking of bread. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Really, 
intimate conversation is possible probably only between two or three people. And as soon as you get into group dynamics, you have many other wonderful things happening, but uh, that intimacy, that directness uh, moves away. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. When we have retreats, we often conclude the retreat with what we call an Emmaus walk, where the people on the retreat uh, on the last day will, will join up with one other person, sometimes three if there's somebody uh, left out, and they will walk together, sharing what the experience of the retreat or that's meant for them. Reliving that moment of uh, intimacy and openness with Christ, forming a third or a fourth between us. Spiritual friendship in the Christian understanding is an intimate, trusting, personal relationship in which Christ is present in a real way, not in a dualistic way, but in a way that unites the two or the three into something fuller and richer and opens the encounter, the meeting, the union, the friendship, opens it up to the full reality of everything to the reality of God. So I think the story of uh, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus has, has profound uh, meaning. It's a story about metanoia. We see at the end how the minds of the two disciples are completely opened and changed. And when the, their minds are opened after they've recognized uh, Jesus and the breaking of the bread, Although it's nighttime, they at that instant leave and go back to Jerusalem to reconnect the, uh, with their community, with their friends, with the church. And this recognition then leads to reunion. And it fills them with energy. At the beginning of this story, their faces are downcast. They're They've lost their hopes. They're disappointed in what has happened. They don't blame Jesus specifically, but they, they must be thinking, why did it all have to end like this? We had such great hopes. And now they are filled with a, with a wonder and an energy that simply transcends that sadness of loss and disappointment. What happens when we are disillusioned, when our hopes and fantasies are, are, are shattered? Very hard to let go of them. So it's a wonderful story, and it's a funny story. It reminds me always of a pantomime. In England, they have this rather sort of crude, uh, hum humorous thing at Christmas called pantomimes, where very stereotypical characters 
uh, play a sort of a fairy tale uh, story and uh, the children who are packing the theatres uh, with their parents uh, take part in the, in, the, in the fun by shouting uh, to the characters on stage and saying, that's him, that's her. Uh, and because there's so much um, hidden identities or somebody's hiding behind a door and the kids are saying, he's there, he's there. So there is that humor. It can be also a tragic humor of misrecognition. And this story is about mistaken identity, meeting without recognizing, which is a sad and funny uh, mistake to be talking to somebody and then say, oh, yes, sorry, I recognize you now. I remember who you are. T.S. Eliot has a phrase that we had the experience but missed the meaning. We had the experience but missed the meaning and approach to the meaning restores the experience in a different form. We had the experience but missed the meaning, but then approaching the meaning again restores the experience in a new form. And I think that is what this gospel story of the resurrection is also about. They had had the experience of Jesus. <clears throat> they had placed their hope and trust in him. Then that experience disappeared with his death and they were left with nothing. And Jesus then appro approaches them and helps them to see the meaning of what they had experienced, which they had not understood before. And he does this by opening the scriptures to them. And then the experience that they have lost is restored, but in a new form. And it comes at that moment of the breaking of the bread when their eyes were opened and they recognized him in his risen form. But then at that moment, he disappeared. But that didn't matter. It was the external form that disappeared. But something within them, which had begun even when he was explaining the meaning of the scriptures to them, because their hearts burned within them, but they didn't really understand that or understand the meaning of that experience, even, even of that awakening that had begun within them as he opened the scriptures to them. And, but now after he disappeared from their sight, he was within them. They didn't need the external form. And that was what was their metanoia. They turned around and went back to Jerusalem. So it's a, it's a story with so many different uh, levels and wonderful insights, and we'll only really understand it if we allow ourselves to be read by the story and to understand the ways in which we ourselves need to recognize Christ in the experience of, of life, even in the experience of 
loss and of disappointment or disillusionment. These, these, can, these are clearly opening of possibilities, new potential for us. Simon Weil said that he comes to us hidden and salvation consists in our recognizing him. Well, we have to sit in meditation, letting go of the form that we are imagining. And therefore, we enter into a kind of poverty of spirit, which is a real poverty of spirit, because recognition happens when we are paying attention, but where we can also be surprised. And that means that we are paying attention, we're conscious, we're awake, and we are animated by desire. We, we, but not a desire that we are fantasizing about. It's not a desire with images and preconceptions and demands. I want this in order to be happy. But it's a desire for what we do, even don't know what we desire. And that's meditation. It's pure desire, and that's what makes meditation pure practice. Attention animated by desire, and then that pure desire, which is sacramentalized in the saying of the mantra with deepening attention, that then makes us ready for this moment of recognition. And it's something that cannot be put into words, but it is the discovery that we are not isolated, separated, cut off, but that we are within this communion of the divine love, and that that is expressed in all our human relationships, with the intimate relationships of our lives, with two, or three, and our relationships with each other, with strangers, with the whole of the human race. And that's why this interior recognition is the basis for the transformation of the world. And that's what inspired those early Christians to do something so completely crazy, which was to proclaim the risen Christ, as we do in this Eucharist and in the breaking of the bread.